1: Today with Jeff Fines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher, with a straight talking message from the word.
0: And I'm telling you, I think God is big enough to take it when you say to God, I don't like this, I don't want this. Take it away. Let's do this a different way.
1: Today with Jeff Fines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, Pastor Jeff continues his sermon about the will of the Father. He's referring to the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 to 36, where Jesus goes to Gethsemane with Peter, James, and John, and becomes deeply distressed and troubled. Pastor Jeff's also getting deeply personal about his own troubles to help illustrate these verses. So let's hear the rest of the message now on Today with Jeff Vines.
0: There are no guarantees how long any of us will live, none at all. And I've learned that and began to appreciate that and live each day then to the fullest. I've become more loving and compassionate, if I do say so myself. (laughs) It's not that I didn't care a year ago. It's just that you cannot help people who are hurting until you've hurt yourself. And so now when people stop me downtown and they say to me, Pastor Jeff, I'm going through exactly what you're going through. A year ago, I'd have prayed a prayer and moved on. Now it's like, oh man, tell me about it. Tell me what you're, tell me, what are you, are you you on any medicine? Have I told you about Xanax and we just keep going on? (laughs) There's something that's happening. I see that. I do. I see it. I see even the tenderness I have with my wife. There's a tenderness in my life because I realize that she's given me so much. Two lovely children. I realize the depth of her love for me. I realize that I have no guarantee of how long I'll have her. Or how long she'll have me. You just don't know in life. I know this is going to sound a little bit weird. And I don't mean it to. So you have to just take what you know of me and translate it. I, I begin to feel a deeper compassion for the injustice in the world. All of it. The hunger and the the people who are out in the line today who are here to get a meal and people have lost their jobs. All of that. I'm telling you, I was a different person a year ago. I talked to Dr. Lindenheimer, my doctor, a Jewish doctor, and I asked him, are you ever going to be able to tell me why this happened? Why I go from one day perfectly healthy to the next day, I feel like all hell literally has broken loose and I'm about to die and I have these feelings where I wake up in the middle of the night where it feels like I'm dying? You know his response was? Jewish doctor to a Christian pastor. He said, Jeff, that's life. (laughs) I said, is that all you've got for me? He said, Jeff, there are no guarantees in this life. You should know that. No guarantees. And I'm just thankful for the years that God has given me. He said, I look at all the lessons I've learned, but here's my prayer. And you can't tell me you haven't done this too. Okay, Lord, I see what you've done in me, but couldn't you do it without the pain? You're God, you can do anything. Can't you create these things in me without the pain and suffering? Same thing happened through Adriana's death. I saw all the good that came. I mean, so much good that we will not know for years to come. Her uncle David gives his life to Jesus, is baptized a couple of weeks ago. Mike, I'm sorry, Mike, Uncle Mike, a couple of weeks ago. Scarlett and Irwin, her parents are drawn closer together through this whole ordeal and have gained a greater commitment to each other, realizing they need each other. The extended family, there have been people who didn't even know about Christ or didn't take him seriously who now take him very seriously because of Adriana. But I still couldn't help it as we were lowering Adriana into the ground. I couldn't help but to ask God one more time, couldn't you have accomplished all this another way? Did it have to happen this way? You're God, you're creative. I mean, you created the heavens and the earth. You hold all things together. Could you not have done all this another way? And I'm just telling you that Jesus does the same thing. And if he can do it, so can we. It's okay to be honest with God. I don't think it's healthy to go to God and say, you know, God, I just love pain and suffering. Bring it on, bring it on. (laughs) I just bring all the suffering, Father, the more, the more. You know, no, no, you're lying, man. You're lying you're kidding yourself. C.S. Lewis says, when you come to God, you bring before God what is in you, not what ought to be in you. And I'm telling you, I think God is big enough to take it. When you say to God, I don't like this. I don't want this. Take it away. Let's do this a different way. It's okay to do that. As long as you do what he did next. He relinquishes control over his circumstances and submits his desire to the will of the father. This is amazing to me. He says, this is what I truly want God to but ultimately I submit to your will, even though I may not understand it, even though I'm hurting right now, even though I hope for another way. And I look at that and come on, we're not talking about some legend here. I want to know how he does it. How can you do that? How can you say, I am going to trust your decision, God, even if my worst fears come true? How can you do that? Because you know, our will and God's will will collide in our lives. You you got that, right? You know, there are so many people right now who are sending me emails, and I'm grateful. Look, I'm grateful. And you've learned to be short, so I'm reading them. (laughs) But there are so many people who are telling me right now, hey, Jeff, I can heal you. Or Jeff, I have the medicine that will heal you. Or Jeff, I've got this secret remedy that will heal you. So everybody wants to heal me. I'm grateful. I only have one question for you. I know your heart's good and your intentions are good, but I want you to hear me. What if it's God's will that I not be healed right now? (gasps) What, Pastor Jeff? Yeah. What if this is my thorn in the flesh? What if so, that I might be humble and boast only in the cross of Christ, this is the cross I will bear. People say to me, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. God would never want any of us to hurt or suffer. The first thing I say is, are you kidding me? And the second thing I say is, have you ever heard of the apostle Paul? Shipwrecked, beaten, scourged, imprisoned, and starved. You name it, it happened to him. I think God loved him. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the 12 disciples? These guys all died relatively young deaths, and they were horrible deaths, so the kingdom of Christ might be expanded in the earth. So Jeff, what are you telling me then? What do I do? Well, I'm saying don't run from God. Don't deny your feelings. Tell God exactly what you feel and go to him according to Hebrews. Go to the throne of grace with boldness and courage and tell God what it is that you want as long as underlying there's this thing that tells you not my will but yours be done. And do you know why it is we can do this? Jesus tells us in Mark 13, 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Three times. Oh, this is beautiful. This is so beautiful. Three times in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, in the garden scene, Jesus refers to God as Holy Father, Holy Father, Abba, Father. Why is that meaningful? How many of you are fathers who have sons? Raise them up high. Do you remember when your son was first born? And do you remember how enjoyable they were when they were smaller? And I know you mothers have sons too. I'm just talking to the fathers right now because I don't pretend to know how a woman thinks. That you get in big trouble when you start saying things like that. No, I'm just... When Delaney was little, I would take him to the golf course and in New Zealand, they have pool carts. Not very many courses have electric carts. So Delaney would straddle the bag, put one foot on each axle and hug the bag and I'd pull him down the fairway. <laughs> Man, I got pictures of that. I treasure them. I go back and look at them. On Sunday afternoon after church, he would just go to sleep right here on my chest. I'd lay back and he'd go to sleep right there. First day of school, his mother was fine. I bawled like a little baby. <laughs> my son. My, I almost killed him a few times by accident. One time, I, we were at a golf course, and it had been raining, and I'd forgotten that I'd hit two golf balls off the first tee, and as we're passing the first one that wasn't very good, uh, I stopped to pick it up. I slammed on the brakes, which is something you don't want to do in a golf cart when the grass is really wet. It sent us into a spin, and it threw Delaney out of the golf cart onto the pavement, and he bashed his head. And he stood up, and he looked at me like, Why? <laughs> I took him down to Browns Bay when he was a little boy there. A cyclone had come, and the waves were bigger at, sorry, Long Bay than they usually were, and I got him on his, what they call in New Zealand, a boogie board, and I was pushing him, and I put too much weight on the front, and I shoved his face right down into the sand, and he got up with it, just a, just a dirt and mud and sea, you know, everything, and he, why, why, why? <laughs> Delaney, I'm sure, has some questions. But there's one thing Delaney knows with certainty, and that is that dad is the king of his castle. <laughs> as long as it's okay with mom. (laughs) And I'm sure, and I want you to think about this picture that Christ has given us. I'm sure Delaney wonders about some of the sovereign decisions I have made as his dad. But there have been many decisions I have made as his father that he didn't understand at the time, but he fully embraced them. You know why? Because he trusted in the goodwill of dad. He trusted in the goodwill of his father, like when his tonsils were taken out. I told him, all of his friends said, you don't want to do that. I said, Delaney, the doctor says your tonsils need to come out. They need to come out. Trust me on this. I know it's going to be painful, but trust me. He didn't want to, and I'm sure he didn't understand why would dad make me go through this, because he did have a horrible night. But he did it because he trusted the goodwill of the father. When I taught him how to swim, I come from the swimming school where you just throw them in the deep end and they'll start paddling. (laughs) That's how I learned to swim, and so I thought that'd be the best way. You should have seen the look on Delaney's face when I threw him up in the air but did not catch him on the way back down. But I knew he was ready. I knew he was ready. And he learned to swim. When I taught him how to ride his bike, I'm pushing on the back of his bike, and the whole time he says, don't let go, don't let go. I let go. After about three months, I let go. You let go, Dad. You let go. I said, I know, son, and you're riding by yourself. And he said, oh, oh. (laughs) He didn't, didn't understand why I would let go. Didn't understand why I'd throw him in the deep end. But there's a part of him that no matter how difficult it was, he always trusted in the goodwill of his father. My dog even gets this. My dog Milo. I used to think my dog Milo was smart. And I've been saying that for a long time. And I know my wife, Robin, and my kids are going to be angry with me. But I've decided Milo's stupid. He's a dumb dog. The dog has been sprayed by the same skunk three times in our backyard. Okay, how smart can you be? And you know, when you're sprayed by a skunk as a dog, you what do you do first thing? You run into the house. And you know how long it takes to get skunk smell out of your house? It's like months, months. So last Thursday, for the third time, Milo's just sniffing. And we know what's happened because he ran into the house, sat right on the couch. Get out of here, Milo. And Robin's feeling all sorry for him. Oh, look at him. It's in his eyes. Milo, I said, you're a dumb dog. Do not play with a cat that walks from side to side and has a white stripe down its tail. (laughs) I was so furious. So Robin took him and ran upstairs and according to the old wives' tale, put tomato paste in a bathtub on him. He hated it. And then I called my buddy Mike. I said, Mike, man, because he's the pest control guy. Tell me, is there a secret? And he said, yes, there is. It's not tomato paste. It's an old wives' tale. Too late. Robin's got three cans on him. I'll just tell her that's the first phase. What's next? He said, one quart of hydrogen peroxide, a quarter cup of baking soda, and one teaspoonful of liquid soap. It worked like a charm. Got it right off. Milo did not like him. He hates the bath. Hates the bathtub, hates bath water. But for the entire time that we were washing him down, he didn't make a move. He sat there with a smile. That's my dog's smile. He sat there with a smile on his face. You know why? As much as he hates the water he trusted in the goodwill of the owner. He knew it was for his good because he hated anything's better than skunk. Anything. Folks, what I'm trying to say, and I don't know if I've communicated it well this weekend, but who is God? Let me tell you who he is. He's your father. He's your daddy. Your daddy, my daddy. And if you've ever held your son or your daughter and said, is there anybody who loves me like I love this little one, just magnify it by infinity. And that's how God loves you. And if you know that about God, then you'll know that sovereignty is not tyrannical when it's bounded by goodness. And holiness is not torturous when it's tempered with grace. And omniscience is not taunting when it's coupled with mercy. And immutability is not terrifying when it's certain of goodwill. God is not merely a God of theological abstracts or philosophical ideals. God is a God of ultimate relationship. He is Abba Father, your daddy, my daddy. And we've not become unhinged from our Creator's moorings. Let me tell you why that's important, and then it's done. When the darkness comes into your life, if you have cultivated, this is the most important question you can ask yourself Have you cultivated your relationship with God, your Father? Have you pursued him during your life when things were good? Have you cultivated it in prayer and devotion? And have you had a passion to pursue him like you pursue other things? If the answer to that is yes, when the darkness comes, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to be okay. And you might have those prayers of take this away, but ultimately you're going to be fine. And you're going to have a peace that passes understanding and your friend's are going to think you've lost it. But if you've cultivated your relationship with God, with God, the Father, then you'll be able to look at the cross and you'll be like the disciples. You'll be thinking at first, this makes no sense at all. But then you realize God is doing the most wonderful, powerful, majestic thing in human history. And I couldn't see it. So when darkness falls, you'll be saying, I don't understand it. But I know that God is my Father. And I can trust him. And he's doing something beautiful in my life, even though I can't see it. And I'll tell you what else you'll do. You'll look at the cross and you'll say, because God turned his face away from his son, he will never turn his face away from me. And no matter how dark or deep the pit of despair, I know that it can't be. I don't know why this is happening, but I know that it can't be because God doesn't love me because he gave his own son for me. And I know it can't be because of apathy, because I know He cares. So that you finally get to the point where God reveals to you that the cross demonstrates that God can be working in my life, even when it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to what's happening. Now, stay with me, this is the end. I was at the golf club this past week hitting balls late, late, late one night. And I saw a lot of people up on the balcony, and some of those people came down and actually talked to me. Hey, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, and they came down and spoke with me. And as they were speaking with me, and it has, now if you were part of that group, don't worry. This is not against you. This is just something that God does with me. Sometimes when I'm around people, it's kind of like God said to me, Jeff, I, I want you, I want to make sure, I want you to make sure that you, you communicate who I am. Because there are so many people that come every weekend that when the darkness comes, it's not going to be good because their faith is simply coming here on the weekend and going, living their lives and coming back again. And if you don't cultivate your relationship with God, if you don't, when the darkness comes, it is not going to be pleasant. But if you cultivate that relationship and you know that God is your loving father and you pursue him and you know that he loves you, it'll be okay. You're gonna be okay. Adriana. Two to three days before she died, I was in her room with her. And I got up to leave after I'd been praying, I guess, for about a half an hour if you knew adriana at the end it took every bit of strength she could muster just to move her arms and as i got up to go she moved her arms she looked at me and she motioned me to come closer and i came closer and i think adriana thought she would never see me again this was it and it was very near the end and she managed to get her arms around me and she pulled me in and she kissed me and do you know what she said it'll be okay pastor jeff It'll be all right. She was dying, and she was comforting me. And let me tell you why Adriana knew it was going to be okay, Because she had cultivated her relationship with the Father, and she knew he's right there. And even in your darkest moment, the lightest light can shine and be with you and guide you and take you over to new life. Who is God? Your Abba Father who has nothing but good intentions and goodwill for you. And even when it doesn't seem that way, he's doing his greatest, most fantastic work. And the closer you get, if the day comes to death, he will be there and reveal himself in a special way. Don't be afraid. And he will carry you over, he will see you through, and your next waking moment will be in the arms of the Father. And you'll have the relationship for which you've always longed. But start cultivating it now. Father, thank you for this amazing truth that we see in your word. That Jesus comes to the time in the garden. And he faces darkness. And yet he's able to endure because he knows the goodwill of his father. And even though he can't understand what's happening, even though it's far more horrific than he ever thought, in his humanity, he experienced what we experience. That darkness and feeling of isolation and disorientation. And yet even in the midst of that, he reminds us you can still go forward. You can still trust the goodwill of the father even when he seems distant. I pray that we would all cultivate our relationship with the Father, that when the darkness comes, the brightest light can shine. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Well, that's the end of Pastor Jeff's message for today. This series in Mark cleverly named Remarkable has been a long one. I hope you're getting a lot out of it, but there's just one more message to come in the series. It's a message about the price Jesus paid for us.
0: John eight twelve. when Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, if it's true that Jesus is the light of life, then how does spiritual darkness come to us?